Blog Talk Radio.
I don't know about you, but I am changing into that very insane image. You know, there was an old song that the church used to sing back in the day, um, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look for his blessed face, and the things on earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And as a result of us reflecting on who Jesus is, we find out who we really are, what we have, and what we can do. And so um, I'm delighted for it to be another Sunday morning in the Word of God where we study the Word of God systematically. If you have your Bibles, get your Bibles handy. And I tell everyone, if you have a notebook and you follow me on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock for about 30 minutes, I'm going to go systematically through the Word of God. But I guarantee you if, you, if you join me for maybe two or three Sundays, you'll get more in one lesson than you'll get in a whole entire year at a church. Amen. So I'm excited about uh, what God has for us. And truly, uh, we're going to go on an agenda. I'm going to, for a period of time, suspend the teaching on the overcoming way. I want to give everybody in the listening audience an opportunity to go back over what we taught, and there's some areas that I want to deal with, two particular areas I want to deal with for a season, Um, and then we'll return back into that study in a more advanced way. One of the things that we've been doing is really amping up the content so that people can get as much of the Word of God in a very systematic, concise way, so that way they have confidence because it will be our confidence that maketh us not ashamed in the last day. So um, I want to um, admonish you to get a notebook, follow me as as best as you can. I'm going to be a little more fast-paced on Sunday mornings than I am on Thursdays, but Thursday we have we have even cut down the time so that way we can get as, as, as concise as possible so that everyone can receive as much. And we're doing a wonderful series on Thursdays as well. But I'm going to introduce a new series in a second. Um, and um, it's going to be, I believe, if you, if you hear the Spirit, it's going to be transformative to our walk as the body of Christ. And I'm speaking in general to the church. Oftentimes when you're in the church, most of the times, People speak to people that just don't know the Bible, that just don't study, that are just becoming saved or just learning how to pray. That's not this broadcast. This particular segment of our broadcast and our radio programming is designed for those who are in the church. And I'm reaffirming those absolutes that, or those things that should be absolute in our soul. But if they're not, they will be reaffirmed by the authority of the, the spoken word. So the scripture says, how can they hear without a preacher? And so it's important that we understand that there are some things that happen that we receive by faith that can only be received when we hear it from a man or a woman of God that is anointed to declare the word of God. So if you could get it on your own, you would. But the fact that you haven't means that you can't. And if you can't, that means that means God can and God will do it through anointing people, and God uses people to to um, aid and assist you in things that everybody has to examine. And this is going to be a very uh, interesting series, but it's going to uh, really advance advance the believers in into an uh, area I believe that God's. Um, 
God's power will reveal. Amen. Amen. So I'm writing something down so I don't forget it. And then we're going to get right into it. Y'all are getting me live today. So I just want to make certain that I have everything just line upon line, which I do. I've studied and pre-studied. I'm just just got a note from the Holy Spirit that I wanted to make certain that I have. All right, well, let's pray and get right into the lesson. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. Knowing that this is the day that you have made, we rejoice and are glad. We do thank you for another opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on that Holy Spirit that gives me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church and Father and everything that shall be accomplished and revealed. You be glorified, for it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. What I want to do is I want to give you the five scriptures that we're going to go through today and use as a reference. There's one more scripture that I want to um, to reinforce real quick, and that is... All right. Ephesians chapter 1, you can write that down for your reference. I may not go to it, but it's very good that we understand in verse 1, verse 23, that we be renewed in the spirit of our mind, um, that we put off the um, uh, put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to his deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of our mind. So what happens is there has to be a renewal in the spirit. That we put on the new man, which is created, which God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Amen. So, ooh, praise the Lord. It gave me a, a note for another lesson. Praise the Lord. Amen. So uh, you can write down Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. Uh, Matthew 16, we're going to start there. Matthew 16, 13 through 19. Then we're going to hop over uh, back to Matthew chapter 7. And, um, and we're going to deal with that very, very deeply. I'm going to hit real quick Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. I'm going to go then to our core subject, which is the, which is the context or the uh, foundational passage of the lesson, which is in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 21. So our lesson, um, main scripture is Romans 12, 3 through 21. But I'm going to start in Matthew 16. I'm going to build a case all the way um, through Matthew 16 to Ephesians 1, Matthew 7, Colossians 1, 19, and then we're going to conclude in Romans 12. Now, when I say uh, context, and I tell you all, all the time that you have to, context ensures that you don't con the text, which means that you have to have some type of integrity to understand. You don't pull a verse out and, and make a doctrine out of it. You get the overall story and understand how we came to the subject matter at hand. And so our subject matter is is the book of Romans, okay? That is our subject matter. That is the elite church. These are intellectuals that came together to establish a church, amen? And when they came together to establish a church, of course, Paul initiated that church. It was a, it was a church to serve as the standard of God in the seat of power. So the things that are given to that particular church are powerful to, to uh, is a very powerful way that we can see 
um, how that translates to our time because we are in the seat of a power. Everybody that lives in a, a in a country that is considered a world power, we are in the seat of power, and we need to know exactly what type of power we operate in. And of, unfortunately, in this particular church, they did not know, and so Paul had to remind them: you're conforming, you're conforming to um, the ways. Of the of, of the world is is taking you away from the standard that I have for you, okay? So that's where we get Romans from, and of course, of course, in Romans chapter one, of course, he said he couldn't. He uh, remember he said he started off with that he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation to them that believe to the Jews first, but to the Gentiles also. And the desire was that the Jews who were in Rome would be saved, that would come into the knowledge of the truth to accept in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and life. So the key here of the argument of the book of Romans is, Romans is justification. What are we being justified? We are being justified unto righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's the purpose behind Romans. Romans had various problems going on. Um, it was one of the earlier churches, and the clear purpose was to correct those challenges. And we see that God had called him to uh, uh, give detailed statements affirming the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So um, justification is, is a book of justification, but it also resolves that our justification will take full effect when we have sanctification and glorification. And all those things can only take place in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, why am I saying that? Because the Holy Spirit prompted me to address today a concept that is really going to charge us as the body of Christ to really rethink church, rethink church. And that's what I've entitled this series, Rethink Church. It is my goal and my purpose to affirm the concept and the power of being the church, of being the church. Where do we get this whole uh, insight on the church? Rethink church, because perhaps we have confused our service and our our place of worship for church when we are the church, the pillar and the ground of truth. So we need to come back to the realization of who we are, what we have, and what we can do. And we can only do that when we start off by rethinking church. And often when people struggle in their faith and when they struggle with who they are, what they have and what they can do as the body of Christ is as a result of there being a distortion on this concept called church. And so the, the Lord, by the prompting of the Spirit of God, I want to go systematically through the Word of God and unfold exactly how we came to be the church and what the advantage of being the church is. And hopefully by this we can give two initial resolves based on the revelation of being the church when it's revealed. Now, our lesson is called for today, Reforming Perception to Power, because you are what you think. And we're going to go back to Romans 12 and actually see, because I'll, most people just read the first three verses of, 12, of, of Romans chapter 12 and leave it alone. But we're going to give some good commentary on that in the next few minutes. But let's begin our journey with the initial, um, the initial proclamation of the church found in Romans uh, Matthew chapter 16. You need to know why things were said. And, of course, if Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, 
that everything pertaining to faith is under his his guidance, his governance, and his control. And if it's under his control, then we need to make pay serious attention to what he says about it. Everything pertaining to faith. Now, faith is is used as a as a means to please God. It is used as life, as law, and love. Now, today we're going to look at it in two aspects. We're going to look at it as a law, right? Mean, meaning that it has a, a institution of governing. And then we're also going to look at it as a way of love or a community around it. That's why you'll hear me say in my teachings, the community of faith. Same thing as being the church, but it's also based on the measure of faith, which is a law. And we're going to, we're going to define exactly what that is through the word of God. Amen. Now, in Matthew chapter 16 is where we first hear the concept of the church given by the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, it was a question that he provoked after walking with the disciples for a period of time. When Jesus had came into the coast of Caesarea at Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say the Son of Man am? Now, remember, why is he asking that? There was going to be released from God a Messiah that was going to be given for mankind. So when he refers to the Son of Man, he is actually testing their ability to understand and to translate the prophetic passages given from Isaiah. Hallelujah. And if you have a good Bible, they'll let you know of, of, of the prophecy in which that which that derived. And of course, you can go back and they'll reference Matthew twelve uh thirty nine as well, but it's also in Isaiah where you get this particular um insight. Amen. Now and of course you can go to John six sixty seven. So he says, Whom the man he's testing their prophetic ability and they said unto him, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias or Elijah Others say Jeremiah's or the one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? See how the question changes? The son of man and then I. How does this relate to me? Right? And Simon Peter answered him. And he, um, and Simon P- Peter said, um, answered him and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Do you get what I'm saying? You see how I went from the son of man to who I am to who he really was, which was the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Simon, blessed art thou, Simon, by Jonas, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto you. I want you to pay attention to that word revealed it unto you. But my father, which is in heaven. So he tells him exactly where he got it from. He got that from God. And I say this unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, people say it's the place. Um, I've heard people say the rock is the place where he was at, um, or the rock is the revelation. Uh, But it's really Peter. Okay? What Peter has proclaimed out of his mouth would be the basis in which he would build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why? Because I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
And whatsoever thou shalt what? Bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he charged his disciples that they should not tell man that he was Jesus the Christ. And Christ is not Jesus' last name, but it's the power in which he possessed to do what he did. What did he possess? The power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So that's a very loaded a uh, loaded statement, but it, it begins the concept of this word church. Upon this rock, I will build my church. What is the rock? The rock is not necessarily what Peter, who Peter was, but what Peter knew. Peter knew that he was the son of the living God. Anything that is built has to be given an identity. The identity that the church would be given would be Jesus the son of the living God, not a dead God that we worship because most of the customs and the, uh, and the cultures of the past would worship the dead gods. But our God is alive and well. And that perspective would be the catalyst of what the church would be. Now, that gives me my first point. Revelation becomes the catalyst to experience the full effect of what it means to be the church. Jesus would not entrust Peter with the establishment or the, of, of building the church because he would build the church and the gates of hell would not prevail, right? Upon this rock, I will build my church, right? Isn't that what the words say? He said, I, he said, look, I say unto you, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. What is he building it on? His identity, who he was the son of the living God, the living God. So it is revelation that becomes the catalyst to experiencing the full effect of what it means to be the church. And the world has lost sight on exactly, and the church really has lost sight on what it means to be the church. Now think about this. Out of all the people that were walking with Jesus, only one had the revelation of who Jesus really was and what Jesus really came to do. And it was in acknowledging what Jesus really was that would then be the, 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 what would cause the church to take effect. Perhaps if we, 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 we gain an attention back on what Jesus really came for, what he really did, then we will see the full effect because we know who he really is. And and so it is that revelation that becomes the catalyst to experience it, the full effect of what it means to be the church. Because to live is Christ. And to die is gain. We have done a poor job in the church of making church worship. Worship is what we do, but it's not who we are. That's where we assemble ourselves and we gather. But we are the church, and we are the church because of the revelation that we carry. Who We serve the living God. We know who the living God is. And if you know who Jesus is, then you can exemplify the church. Now, knowing who Jesus is is not just acknowledging who he is. Because 
he would not give you keys to a kingdom based on an acknowledgement. Acknowledgement unlocks or the revelation, it is the revelation of who he is that unlocks the power of what he possessed. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatsoever thou shalt bow. So it's not until you do something that causes the effect of the kingdom to take place. You get what I'm saying? Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What is that? Those are authoritative moves to bring about an effect that does not exist until you do something with what should exist. So so when we talk about it, some people will say, okay, well, I loose and I bind. And so they're thinking because they plan, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. You ain't binding Satan. <laughs> I, I don't mean to burst any bubbles. That's not your job. We're not loosening things, you know, that are just thoughts and love, happy thoughts, happy life. That's not the... That is not the connotation in which he's talking when he's, when he's talking about the revelation of the church. What he's talking about is the authority in which God had given him to seek and save that which was lost. He said in Luke that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him because he had anointed him to, to, uh, to uh, well, let's go there, Lord Jesus. Let's um, go there because... See, a lot of people are messing up themselves. They don't know as to why Jesus came, and they don't know what he possessed, so they don't know what he's doing, and they can't, they can't exemplify and represent who they don't know. And it's amazing that you can sit in church for years and not even know who you are. Amen. Now, when Jesus was called, And he, and he bore witness to what he was called to do. He went before the people. Amen. And he said unto them, what he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for there am I sent. Okay, that's 43 of 14. But Jesus also said, oh, this, in verse 18, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him because he had anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor, send him to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set liberty to them that are bruised. Now, that's a five-fold objective. Number one was what? Preach the gospel to the poor. Number two was he sent, them, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Lord have mercy. Number three, he sent them to preach deliverance to the captives. Number four, recovery of sight to the blind. And number five, set in liberty to them that are bruised. Now, when, when those four factors take full effect in the church, 
then you know, first of all, it should take place in your life. Those things should take place in your life, that there should be a, a, a proclamation of the gospel, which is a inward proclamation, a healing. There should be uh, deliverance. There should be recovery, and there should be liberty. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, you, I mean, you can look at it from a spiritual side or physical things, and, and then, of course, it adds on to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. If there are some things accept, acceptable, then there are some things unacceptable. And then in 20, 21, he says, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. Of course, and I, and I went over there that said, he said, I must preach the kingdom. So the kingdom of the kingdom message to what Jesus was preaching here, the revelation was the unfolding of his identity. What his identity, which which reviewed what he was sent to do. You get what I'm saying? When you say when you say to Jesus, "You're the Son of the Living God," the Living God. Connotates God is not Jesus. God's name is His position, and His His name is Yahweh. His name is wait, wait. That's a whole other story. But I I I, I, I want to give the the unfolding of these things, the unfolding of the of the the layers behind the the lens of the stuff. You know how, for instance, you know how um, red velvet cake. I, I love red velvet cake. And I'll never forget one time my mom said, well, you love chocolate cake then? And I said, no, I don't like chocolate cake. I love red velvet cake. She said, baby, red velvet cake is nothing but chocolate dyed in red with with cream cheese icing. I had a revelation that I like chocolate cake dyed red. Okay? <laughs> but I didn't know that it was the same thing. What what Jesus is saying in Matthew 16 is his identity is locked up in what he was called to do. And as a result of what he was called to do, there will become a construction of what we all are involved in. And the only way you could have gotten this picture, Peter, is if God showed you that this was this was his plan from 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 all along. All right. So the revelation becomes the catalyst to experiencing the full effect of what it means to be the church. Peter's role was fulfilled based on not only was Jesus's role fulfilled from the acknowledgement of who Jesus was, but Peter then could have confidence in serving Jesus because he knew God's plan for the overall building of the church. And the gates of hell could not stop him because God gave it to him. All right. Now, in acknowledging that Jesus was the son of the living God, let's go to Matthew chapter 7. We pay attention to what Jesus said. And I love chapter 7 because chapter 7 gives the strongest doctrine or the teachings in which Jesus revealed. In verse, in verse 28 it says, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So one of the things that you will hear whenever Jesus deals with the church and deals with building and dealing dealing with a mission-oriented transformation, 
you're going to hear this word authority come off the page. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What are you loosing? You're loosing the authority of his identity to take full effect in your life, in your environment, in your world. Because some people think, you know, somebody give them a bad attitude. I bind that in the name of Jesus. You're not binding anything. That person has an attitude. They're going to have to bind it themselves. You don't have control over that person. You have control over you. (laughs) And you don't want to reduce the authority of God to a, a, a personality conflict. What you want to do is acknowledge the authority of God as what translates your world through the saving power of Jesus Christ, which is much bigger than what we're doing. So some of us have to rethink church because we've reduced it to some wish list, to some trite, trifling uh, definition that makes the church irrelevant, erroneous, and really a waste of time. We got to rethink church. And it really starts with that core scripture. Do I know what Jesus was talking about? Why did why did Peter why was Peter the only one out of the twelve and the other twenty and the other sixty that walked with Jesus on a regular basis that knew exactly why he came and what he was doing? Because he was paying more attention to the full effect of Jesus than just going compartmentalizing Jesus for what they needed from him. Do you get what I'm saying? But based on Jesus' healing, based on Jesus' Um, proclamation based on Jesus' deliverances or recoveries of sight to the blind, those attributes said God is alive and well, and as a result of God being alive and well, this is the prophecy. This is what them men were speaking about. We're seeing God in full effect in our lives. God is alive because his son is alive. That's the revelation that Peter had. His son was alive because God was alive and working with him with signs and wonders following. Faith without proof is fake. Through faith, we understand that the world were framed by the word of God. So, so in, in shaping this, then I can hear Jesus from another perspective. Jesus opens up chapter 7 and says, listen, for with judgment ye shall judge. And ye shall be judged. And what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Let's talk about judgment. He said, listen, how will thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the motor out of thine eye, and behold, there's a beam in thine own. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thy own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy to the dogs, neither cast ye pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Which means this, ask, and he goes on to say, ask and ye shall, uh, it shall be given, seek and ye shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you, for everyone that asketh is received. Here's, here's the gospel revealed. Now this is not this is not only the first part, but the gospel goes all the way back. And you can read the gospel. If you want to understand the gospel, you got to go to Matthew chapter five and go all the way to Matthew chapter nine. 
and the gospel is proclaimed throughout those the, the core of the gospel. But here I'm reading in chapter seven in the in the middle of this, he's saying, Listen, judgment is required. This is this is these are judgment is an act of God. It's a verdict of God declared by man based on man's predicament, right? And then then the, the access that we have to God is based on his judgment. And he's saying, listen, you're going to be required to judge something, but you need to make sure your judgment is just. Because if you judge somebody else, and and your judgment, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this in in a second. I'm gonna hit it. I'm gonna hit us and run. And then I'm gonna come back on the next lesson. We're gonna finish this joker. But <clears throat> I'm letting you know. I'm going through the scripture systematically through Matthew 16. The it is the revelation of who Jesus is. We we know that the revelation of Jesus prompts us to go back to Luke chapter four, find out what he wa- what he was sent to do. And part of it was to preach the gospel. So we come to Matthew chapter 7, and we see what he preached. He preached about judgment. He preached about access, that we got to inquire that those who seek will find. Those who knock, the door will be open. And then he talks about the nature of God. If you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father, which is in heaven, give you things, um, um, good things to them that ask him. So our approach to God then gives us access to God. And God, if you're earthly and know how to give good things to your children, he's more than more than capable to give you good things. You get what I'm saying? Therefore, whatsoever ye would do unto men, do also unto others. And this is the law and the prophets. Now, the reason why I'm telling you this is because if Jesus came to fulfill, of course, the the question was based on the the uh, the disciples understanding the prophetic declaration over his life, and that the the prophetic declaration was fulfilled in his life, right? Not only was it fulfilled, but it also translated to their life, and that that understanding would cause cause a a construction of of them connecting. The church is a communion with Christ. It's a group of people that are sold out to Jesus based on what he said and what he did. All right? Now, these core components to the intent, uh, these core components are the intent behind why Christ was uh, uh, was careful about revealing himself to everybody. Because while he was on the earth, his assignment wasn't done. He could only freely reveal himself to people when he raised from the dead. And that would be the consummation of, of his work. So Romans, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19, Matthew 7, give us the, the core of the doctrine. And I wanted to read something else. It tells us that we need to enter into the straight gate for broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go to it. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few be that find it. So here we find out he's the son of the living God. He comes as the way, the truth, and the life, and that way is straight and narrow. And then he tells us in verse 15 of chapter 7, Beware of false prophets, because they come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly are raving wolves. Now see, let me tell you something about Matthew chapter 7. If you read Matthew chapter 7, 
you will understand the importance of standing straight and being straight about church, being serious about the concepts about church. Because he already lets you know there are people that are coming to distort you when it comes to who you really are. He said, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes or thorns or fig or thistles, Esau, every man, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but according corrupt bringeth forth forth um bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is honed down, is cast into a fire. Wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. And then he goes into a kingdom dynamic. Behold, I give you the keys into the kingdom. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but him that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now, see, if you think Jesus and his Father are the same, you got a problem. Anyway, according to that verse, I'm not there to preach that. Many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, I have prophesied in thy name. It ain't about him. You're supposed to be doing the will of his Father. Didn't he say that in verse 21? I have prophesied in thy name, and in thy name I have cast out devils, and in thy name I have done many wonderful works. Then he said unto me, I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Meaning you're not doing what I told you to do. Therefore, whatsoever ye hear these saying of mine and doeth them, I will liken them unto a wise man, which had built his house upon a rock. And when the rains have descended and the floods came and the winds beat upon their house and they fell, they were founded upon the rock, and every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a um um shall um doeth them not shall be likened unto a fool or a foolish man which has built his heart upon the sand, and when the rains ascended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, it fell, it fell, and great was the fall of it. So here, if we understand this, we'll understand the importance of having strong doctrine, strong teaching, and strong adherence to what Jesus commands. Because they're, they're trying to do things for him, and he said in verse 21, you should be doing it for my Father, which is in heaven. Well, praise the Lord. That's another argument for another day. Let's go down to Colossians chapter 1 right quick. Oh, I got two minutes. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I love when I get excited. I'm out of time, y'all. This is too good. We're going to have to pick this up. Woo. All right. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 18, I'm sorry, 9 through 18, it says, For this cause, since the day we've heard it, not to cease and pray that you be filled with the knowledge of his will and spiritual understanding. It's very key. That you might walk worthy unto the Lord and well-pleasing, all-pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto the patience and long sufferings unto the saints, with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn 
of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, which are they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, that by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who being the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. I'm out of time, and I thank you for yours. I'm going to finish this up next week. I'm going to, actually, I'm going to continue on next week in Romans chapter 12. One of the things.